Absolutely. better to know um, what you want out of life before you move to the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have access the middle to... of the nowhere. This is the center of the universe. That's true. It's not the middle yeah. of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, delivery people might think it's the little middle of nowhere, but I think it's the center of the universe. <laughs> Welcome to the 264th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, regenerative agriculture, regional food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. Pack shed or people? That's the question Les McCary and Els Dobrik were grappling with on a dank day in mid-March as they braved a biting wind to inspect the garden plots, cover crops, and outbuildings on Racing Heart Farm in western Wisconsin. With the exception of some onions sprouting in one of the hoop houses, little sign of the coming spring was in sight. But the vegetable farmers needed to decide soon how they would approach the 2021 growing season. Like many community-supported agriculture operations, COVID-19 launched Racing Heart on a bit of a roller coaster ride in 2020. Demand for shares exploded as the pandemic fueled concerns about the food system and people were spending more time at home cooking. As a result, the CSA portion of McCurry and Doberg's farm more than doubled from 70 to 200 shares in one year. The vegetables produced for those shares were shifted away from what they had been selling through two farmer's markets they serviced on a weekly basis, so they didn't have to cultivate more land to meet the requirements of the expanded CSA enterprise. But there was one downside to the CSA-centric shift. Preparing more share boxes meant more time in the packing shed and less time with customers. Would 2021 be another mega CSA year? would they shrink back that portion of the enterprise to provide more face time at farmer's markets? Fortunately, Dobrik and McCary felt equipped to make such decisions thanks to the training they received through the Land Stewardship Project's Journey Person course. Through that experience, they learned that when making farming decisions, it's not just about dollars and cents, productivity, and efficiency. It's also about meeting the needs of every aspect of the farm in a holistic way from the health of the soil to the quality of life of the farmers themselves. They took Journey Person in 2015. The course is designed to support people who have several years of managing a farm under their belt and are working to take that operation to the next level. It provides advanced farm business planning, a match savings account, and a mentorship, as well as guidance on balancing farm, family, and personal needs utilizing the principles of holistic management. In a sense, Journey Person is a good postgraduate step for people who take LSP's Farm Beginnings course. However, like some other Journey Person participants, Dobrik and McCary are actually not Farm Beginnings grads. In 2017, they purchased 36 acres of a former dairy farm in Wisconsin's Dunn County. Racing Heart Farm is in an hour and a half from the Twin Cities and 25 miles from Menominee, Wisconsin, providing good access to customers via the CSA model as well as farmer's markets. The farm was sold to them by landowners who had listed it in LSP's Farmland Clearinghouse because they were looking for someone who would use it as a farm and a home rather than just bulldoze the house and outbuildings and make it another corn-soybean field. Thus, the sellers were patient as Dobrik and McCary went through the eight-month application process of getting a USDA Farm Service Agency beginning farmer loan. The couple says that throughout every step, from purchasing the land and setting up their business to making adjustments when a curveball like COVID-19 comes their way, they've returned to their journey person training as a guide when making decisions. After the farmers showed me their garden plots on that March day, we took shelter from the blustery spring winds by ducking into a hoop house. 
There, we talked about what they learned from taking the Journey Person course and how it continues to pay dividends. McCary started out describing the main thing that initially attracted them to the course, its emphasis on developing a nuts and bolts financial management system. Well, when we decided to take it, uh, we were interested in working on our business plan. Like I said, we didn't really have a record keeping or um, financial structure. Structure, <laughs> yeah. How to how, how to organize to things, budgeting. How to, you know, we just we did not have a structure for that, and we were kind of looking for for some help in that area or some way to move forward. Um, in, a, in an organized way, I guess. Yeah. A way to think about it. And also, we were thinking that, you know, we'd be networking with other beginning farms and that that would be really helpful for us as far as getting to know people in the community. We were both new or newly returned to Minnesota. But uh, what came from it was an introduction to holistic management. I have a background in nonviolent communication or NVC and seeing how holistic management treats uh, your holistic goals and how you get there as sort of two separate things really aligned with how I had been thinking about my life and relationships in my life. Basically, uh, holistic management I see as NVC for your farm business. And I was really excited to find that I wasn't just in a business course or there was, it, we were looking at quality of life um, in a way that made sense to me, um, but I didn't necessarily expect to find that in a class that talked about financials. And so I was very inspired um, when we were talking about our values and um, really thinking about your quality of life alongside the and your farming enterprises and are you know are they going to be financially viable and you know thinking of all those things together I found really inspiring and um, an exciting way for us to think about our farm and our lives together. You know our romantic partnership was also very new and so having a framework to talk about our bigger visions and goals um, even though it was mostly about farming like farming is very much a lifestyle um, so getting having language to to talk about that within the structure of a business that we were trying to create together we probably would have gotten there just in our relationship at some point but it brought it to the forefront um, and I think it was really incredibly helpful to have it there from the beginning of our relationship I think that's a really good point because you had mentioned earlier you had gotten some experience knowing, knowing that you could work together on a day-to-day -day basis on a farm yeah. when you had rented land before, but you were thinking about this as a permanent uh, career choice and buying land together and all that, and that's another major big step. And so you've got to figure out not only can we work together, can we live together, can we be on the same land piece of land in, yeah. in an area that's not going to be around a lot of other people, it's not going to be in town, it's not going to be in the city, so, so that kind of thing. So that must have been key, I would think. Yeah, it's Absolutely. better to know what you want out of life before you move to the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Don't have access to... The middle to... of nowhere. This is the center of the universe. It's true. It's not the middle yeah. of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, delivery people might think it's the middle of nowhere, but I think it's the center of the universe. The timing was good, too, in that you had to sit down and 
fig like you said you have since you've taken journey person it seems like every time you turn around somebody's asking for paperwork <laughs> either for a grant proposal or a loan or uh, uh, you know getting getting this farm but that sounds like that came at a really key time because you got used to doing that kind of setting up showing your business plan showing you know kind of your financials that kind of thing yes I mean we weren't replacing some other record keeping with the holistic management financial plan it was kind of filling this void in our in our business we didn't we weren't really keeping track of things our first an, year our first yeah. year in an organized way so right from almost the beginning of our business to have this outline of not only keeping track but categorizing makes it easier to file a schedule f to apply for grants to get a loan from the fsa when it came time to buy a farm we had it all organized and and up to date because we had been using those that financial management practice that we learned in the journey person course and we could just hand over the spreadsheet to our loan officer um, and it was something that made sense to her it wasn't my chicken scratch <laughs> yeah. note keeping you know it looked yeah. very professional I mean I I think that you know just kind of what you were saying a few minutes ago about the financial part is you know we don't think of that as the fun part and I remember thinking about the journey person program and the and the topic I was kind of like oh we have because we have to do this you know we should do this but then being so delighted that it was about so much more than the just the financials and feeling to think about quality of life to think about your land in a bigger a bigger sense felt like home to me it just it felt right to be working within that context and and just listening to the land mm -hmm. and not being so focused on an enterprise uh, that pushing something through that isn't right for any you know for all the right reasons I guess well we've brought this successful farming business two acres of vegetables to this piece of land and that's really working for a lot of our goals you know like having a viable farm that earns us a living and is in alignment with how we want to treat the soil but we've brought that to a place that's much bigger than two acres so we're 36 acres here 10 of which is woods and we need to now like listen to what the land is asking for because there are things that we can do that will be a detriment and there's things that we can do that will be neutral but there's also things that we can do that will help this piece of land retain water recover quicker um, build topsoil capture carbon all these things that we can be doing that if we pay attention we can identify and implement and that's not about oh I want to grow vegetables that's about being in a specific place and and figuring out what's right for that and what we know is vegetables I mean I'm not saying we're gonna jump ship on vegetables like I love I love vegetable production and I love what we do for our job you know I mean it's more than our job it's our it's our life but that's such a small portion of of what we have here and it's really only suited to the two acres that we're on as far as slope and um, soil type and stuff so well and we want to set things up for a future perennials trees things that will outlast us things that will be for whoever comes next I guess I mean that's that you know that's kind of for me that feels like a holistic way of thinking it's not just in the now in the next it's not even a five-year you know it's it, it is a long-term vision 
of how we want to work with this land. So one of the things it sounds like the holistic training came in, maybe is coming in handy is you had kind of a major a major shift a little bit in the farm last year um, in that you saw such a huge increase in demand for CSA shares. And so you do I have this right? You doubled? You went from 100 to 200 or something we, like that? We increased by, we went from 70 to, to 200. So that's a huge difference in the farm and it must have been a huge difference in your labor requirements, um, just trans, transportation, uh, all of that. So you're now at a situation where you have some flexibility and that you can figure out, are we going to go that size again CSA-wise or are we going to sell, because you do sell to other markets, the farmer's markets and, and a co-op as well. So you're trying to figure that out and I would think maybe holistic training and decision-making would help in that you can kind of sit back and go, okay, we do have that capacity to do it. Does it serve us, our quality of life issues? Is that, I mean, is that something you think about a little bit is going back a little bit to that training? and Because it is some decisions you have to make here coming, we're sitting here in Mar March and you got to start making some decisions about the growing season here. I think so. And I mean, you know, we really value the farmer's market and our market customers and that, that kind of comes into it. We think about what the market day is like. You know, we spent, I think we kind of traded a lot of time last season uh, for being at the market, for being in the pack shed packing boxes, you know, and looking at people's, our customers' names rather than actually seeing them and interacting with them. And do you want to talk about you, what, well, how you feel about the market? Well, I think it's important to note that, it, that growing-wise, it wasn't, it wasn't actually that much more than we'd been producing before. It was yeah. just a matter of um, do we haul totes to the market and set up a market day and sell all day and then take home whatever's left? Or do we spend our time packing boxes um, and then just deliver them more quickly? What I think we've come to is like wanting some combination of the efficiency of the CSA in some ways. And we also get a lot from the market. You know, it's it's exhilarating. It's fun. We, we get to have face-to-face -face interaction with people that are seeing the vegetables right mm -hmm. in front of them and ooing and eyeing. And we miss that a little bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We love yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah. but striking a balance that's, you know, when, when we go to two markets every week, uh, plus the CSA delivery, it's, it's a grind. It's a carousel. Um, you know, you're, you're either harvesting or delivering or going to market on so six days a week I guess or five yeah. more like well one of the things uh, I think it sounds like it came uh, was helpful through the journey person was this whole networking idea and you you met other farmers through journey person who were doing similar things as well as different things and were able to kind of feed off of that uh, networking but it sounds like there's been this kind of uh, kind of I find this exciting in this area uh, it, which is a little bit of continuation journey person but also just other farmers in the area who are doing similar things that you're doing. Can you talk about that? I think because that, if we're going to have more farmers like you out here on the land on a consistent basis, they got to have these networks, both for practical knowledge that they can trade, but just kind of the 
that moral support Camarader, kind of thing. Camaraderie. Yeah. I mean, we're in this together. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. There's a Western, a group of Western Wisconsin um, growers that do, I, I think the requirement is that you do some direct sales. So it used to be CSA specific. There's a, an active listserv, which is the first place that we turn, you know, to ask her advice or if we have, if people have equipment to sell, it's great for that. But also just contact with other people that we know are doing on the same on the same grind on the same rotation <laughs> that we're on and yeah, yeah and that's really um that community has been really like great for us to tap into we've met some of our neighbors that way um na country neighbors <laughs> and it's just been it's been really great and and we even get together for a little conference yeah every other year and it's it's been really nice to have that oh i just it's just been really valuable to connect with other folks in this region and um yeah i just i feel really supported i think when i didn't really know what we were getting into when we moved out here from minneapolis i had never been to this area i didn't quite know anyone who else was around here i was sort of worried about moving away from something and i was so pleased to realize i actually moved towards something and we've just yeah i love the community out here i guess it's the center of our universe <laughs> By the way, I interviewed McCary and Dobrik early in 2021, when they were still grappling with how many CSA shares they were going to offer that year. At the end of the growing season, I checked in with the farmers and learned that, after considering quality of life issues and what really excites them about farming, they decided to go with 120 CSA shares in 2021, which was financially and agronomically viable, but also gave them the time and resources needed to still have face-to-face -face contact with customers at the market stall. For more information on Journeyperson, Farm Beginnings, and LSP's Farmland Clearinghouse, see landstewardshipproject.org. More resources are also available on the podcast page for Ear to the Ground, episode number 264 at our website. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-816-9342. By the way, it helps us greatly if you can give Ear to the Ground a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you utilize. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.